Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Elizabeth Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Darren Lehman. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to The Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast on today's episode, and it's an absolute doozy. We analyse Australia's squads for the Qantas Tour of South Africa and the Gillette T20 International Tri-Series. Here to do that is Mike Cussie. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Sam. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well. Uh, we're going to get straight into it, Mike, uh, and we're going to start with the National Selection Panel naming a 15-man squad for the four-test tour of South Africa. The squad is as follows. Steve Smith, the captain. Dave Warner, vice-captain. Cameron Bancroft, Jackson Bird, Pat Cummins, Peter Hanscom. Josh Hazewood, the Bolter, John Holland, Usman Kawaja, Mitchell Marsh, Sean Marsh, Nathan Lyon, Tim Payne, Jai Richardson, and Mitchell Stark. Uh, now, Mike, first of all, what are your broad uh, thoughts about this squad? When we got you to name your squad earlier in the year, pretty close. Just uh, I think you had 16. Yeah. Marcus Stoinis wasn't there. Yeah, I guess that's a, a little surprise that Marcus Stoinis wasn't wasn't in their squad. But um, with him just naming 15 and not 16, perhaps he's just been squeezed out. And, and as you mentioned, the bolt is probably John Holland. Um, with Ashton Agar named in the test squad uh, you know, uh, uh, in Sydney, I thought uh, he'd probably get the nod. But uh, they've gone for the out-and-out spinner, John Holland, who you know, he, he deserves his selection, really. You know, he's done extremely well for Victoria over the last year or so. And, uh, um, and, and as the specialist spinner, uh, you know, obviously number two to Nathan Lyon, I think he deserves to be in, in the squad. So congratulations to him. Let's talk a little bit more about that Holland selection. He's been picked purely as a reserve for Nathan Lyon should he get injured. Chairman of Selectors Trevor Holmes made that pretty clear today. Now, he's a leading spinner in the JLT Sheffield Shield competition last year, and he's got 11 wickets in two games this summer. Uh, Mike, what did you make of that selection? And more so about Agar, they made it pretty clear that he was the uh, all-round spinning option, not so much a specialist spinner. Yeah, well, it's interesting, I guess. Uh, and, and I guess, look, Ashton Agar is a great package. He can help out with the ball. He's um, he can help out with the bat. He's a gun in the field. So that, that's why I sort of thought he was probably more being penciled in in, in short form cricket, T20 and ODI sort of cricket, um, and not so much for the Test. But you know when they picked him as 12, or in, in sorry in the squad in Sydney uh, for the Ashes Test, um, I thought, oh okay, maybe they're thinking of him for, for Test cricket as well. But yeah, they've come out and sort of said, okay, well John Holland's a specialist. Um, just for that particular role if Nathan Lyon gets injured or, I guess, if there's a real turning pick somewhere. But we wouldn't be expecting that in South Africa. you probably expect more SEMA-friendly conditions. So, um, yeah, unless Nathan Lyon gets injured, I wouldn't expect John Holland to play uh, too much. But, but good, still good reward for him um, to be picked in the squad and, and, and to tour with the Australian team to, uh, to South Africa because, yeah, his numbers don't lie. He certainly deserves it. He's been probably the best performed spinner in the country in, uh, in Sheffield Shield cricket. And what about him in particular? He's a left-arm spinner. He's a little bit different to Steve O'Keefe. He's more round-arm and sort of darts it in. John Holland flights the ball a little bit more. What about him is uh, so potent? Well, I think he's got great control uh, and really nice shape on the ball as well. You know, you see Nathan Lyon when he gets up over the top of the ball, he gets good drop uh, and good spin. And, and I think, 
John Holland's uh, much the same. Um, gets gets good shape, gets good drop, but obviously spinning the other way to Nathan Lyon. So uh, left arm spinners are pretty handy because you know with uh, a lot of teams with a lot of right handers, um, they prefer the ball spinning in rather than spinning away. So it's a nice option to have there as well. Um, but yeah, he, he's just been in, in great form. He's right on top of his game, um, confident. Uh, and, um, and and taken so many wickets for Victoria in the last year or so. Uh, so it's it's a really good selection and, and good reward for him for his, for his great effort and, and great results. The other kind of surprise in the squad, Mike, was the uncapped Jai Richardson. They specifically pointed out that he's extra pace. He's only about 70 kilos. Uh, he's a light-framed um, light kind of guy. He even sort of admitted today that he didn't really know how he can bowl so fast, not compared to the likes of Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazel and Pat Cummins, who's towering big quicks. But he's a Western Australian. He bowls very fast. And do you need that extra pace in South Africa, Mike? Well, again, it's another option uh, for the selectors, I guess. Um, yeah, if, if, say... A Mitchell Stark gets injured, or a Pat Cummins gets injured, then they might want to replace a like-for-like bowler. Um, and and we sort of thought about that uh, even in Melbourne when um, when Mitch Stark was uh, you know struggling with that heel injury. We thought, okay, well Jackson Bird's the obvious choice, but would they consider going for someone with that extra pace, uh, more of a like-for-like um, uh, with Mitchell Stark? And and obviously they went for Jackson Bird, and and the conditions didn't really suit him at all. So. Um, yeah, but possibly someone with that extra pace could be an option if, if one of the, the strike bowlers go down. Um, I, I think, yeah, he, he's been... I think the selectors have been watching him pretty closely over the last year. Jai Richardson, he's, he's, um, he got picked for the Australian T20 team uh, initially and then he's worked his way into the ODI squad as well and, uh, and I guess it's a nice progression for him. He, he actually started the Sheffield Shield season really well uh, and got, uh, you know... A, I don't think he's got any big bags, but he's he's actually contributed along the way pretty consistently. And and having that extra pace is, is um you know is, is a handy handy asset for him to have. So um, yeah, it's a it's again good reward for some good performances. The, the rise has been um, quite quick, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles it all. But he's a Western Australian, Mike. I'm sure he'll be able to handle it fine, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine there. He, he comes out of a good program, and uh, and he's a good kid too. You know, he works really hard in his game. He's a, he loves the game um, and, and and yeah puts in. So uh, I'm sure he'll, if, you know, if he give, if he's given an opportunity, he'll grab it with both hands. The selectors also showed faith in Cameron Bancroft and Peter Hanscom. Both players had their troubles in the Magellan Ashes series. Mike, are you pleased to see that they've gone with those guys? Yeah, I am. I, I think they deserve they deserve another chance. Um, yeah, Bancroft obviously he found it tough at certain stages throughout the Ashes, but but looked good uh, most of the time. Um, and he would have learned so much from playing in that series. The experience he would have uh, got from playing in, in an Asher series, huge height, uh, will just hold him in good stead. And, and as long as he learns from those lessons, and uh, and I know he's a, he's a student of the game, he absolutely loves it as well, and, and he, he'll continue to work really hard. And, and it'll be a challenge for him, though, in, in South Africa. Uh, the pitchers generally can do a little bit more, and um, so he's, he's certainly going to be under the pump over there. But... If he can, yeah, um, really learn from the lessons he's got from the Ashes series, put them into good practice in South Africa, hopefully he'll be hoping for, obviously, a, a few more uh, runs and consistent runs, and then that'll help him cement his spot in the team. But um, certainly he's going to have some pressure. If, you know, if he doesn't perform well in South Africa, then I'm sure there'll be plenty of people uh, saying that uh, he, he needs to uh, move out of the team. Mike, what does happen if he doesn't get enough runs in those first two games? There isn't an obvious opener reserve batter in the squad. Peter Hanscom is that reserve 
batter. What kind of reshuffle would the Australians need to make if Bancroft has to come out of the side? Well, I'm sure they're probably hoping that he'll get runs and they don't have to cross that bridge. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I guess um, Sean Marsh can come up to open the innings. He has done that before, uh, but that wouldn't be ideal. You know, Sean played so well at batting at number five and six in the Ashes, so I'd be reluctant to make that move. I'd be keen to keep him where he is and just feel settled and comfortable playing that middle order role, which is really important, um, you know, for Australia. So um, I don't know what that means. It means possibly they could make a change with Hanscom going to the top. Uh, I don't think he'd mind. He'd just love to, you know, get an opportunity to play. Um, or, or they could sort of, yeah, I'm not sure what else they'll do. So I, I think they'll just be hoping that, that Bancroft can do the job and get a few runs. Now, the Australians are going to have a bit of a warm-up. There's a Sheffield Shield round before they head off to South Africa. All The the entire test squad, except for David Warner, he's the T20 captain, so he won't be going over there early. But the uh, with the exception of Stark, Cummins, Hayeswood and Steve Smith, they're not going to play in that Shield round. Everyone else will, and then they're going to have a three-day game in Benoni before the first test in Durban. Mike, is that enough time to prepare? I know the conditions are very similar between Australia and South Africa, and Australia's fantastic record over there will probably represent that but is that enough time well it's it is good to um you know that they're playing a sheffield shield game before they leave you know sheffield shield cricket is good good hard tough competition and and the the quality of cricket is high so i think that's a very good start uh personally i again i'd like uh more games in south africa in south african conditions I, i know people say they are similar but you know they're quite different in a lot of ways as well the pitches aren't as true as we've got in australia um, plus, just settling into touring life, getting used to the, the different, slight different of culture, um, different foods. You know, it just just takes a little bit of time. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind one more game, but I understand that the, the schedule is so tight these days. It's, it's virtually impossible to to really get too too much more cricket uh, leading into a series, and uh, and you want top quality cricket as well. And and so, if you're not going to get it over there. Um, then I guess, yeah, better off playing a Sheffield Shield game here in Australia where um, you know you're going to get a good hard hard game of cricket. Australia have toured there seven times, test toured there, pardon, seven times since uh, South Africa's readmission in the early 90s. They've won five series and drawn twice, never lost over there. Mike, why has Australia been so successful in South Africa? It's a pretty amazing record, actually. Someone else told me that um, yeah, just a few weeks ago and, and I, I couldn't believe it, really, because South Africa are really a, a really good, hard, team to play against you know certainly all the years I was playing it was it was it was great names through their uh, order and um, good good tough bowlers tough conditions as well um, so yeah I, I don't know why we've got such a good record perhaps perhaps we play a similar style of cricket um, both countries play pretty hard um, pretty attacking cricket and and we've been able to find a way to come out on top I, I think You've got to say, look at some of the Australian teams in the past, and when you've got the likes of Warren and McGrath and Gilchrist and um, Hayden and Ponting, uh, you know, for a lot of those sort of uh, times, um, you know, that, that's a, a pretty hard team to beat as it is. So, but yeah, I, I still think this is going to be a really challenging series for the, for the team. Um, plus, coming off an Ashes series where the hype is so big and huge, um, sometimes you can have just a little bit of a an emotional letdown after a series like that where you put in so much time and effort and energy preparation. It, it's hard to back up again for such a huge contest. So I, I think this is going to be a really challenging uh, tour and, and series uh, against South Africa. And it's going to be must-watch, isn't it, Mike? Because we're going to have two of the best attacks in the world at the moment going head-to-head when you've got the likes of Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood and Lyon going up against Stain, 
Rabada, Philander, Morkel, Maharaj on wickets that are, are doing a little bit. It's there might, there might not be many five day test matches over there. <laughs> oh, it's going to be as you say. It's must must watch. It's going to be sensational cricket. Good, hard, tough, uncompromising test cricket, and, and that's what you want to see. You want to see the best players in the world just going at it head to head. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, it'll be, yeah, I'm looking forward to some of the little battles that go on. I'm sure the South Africans are going to target David Warner and, and Steve Smith um, with that quality bowling attack. How, how are they going to do it? England couldn't really do it against Steve Smith. Um, what, what is South Africa going to come up that's going to be different than, um, than England? So uh, they've got to try and find something because if he gets in, he, he makes those huge hundreds that win test matches. Uh, and I know Steve Smith will want to do really well, obviously. Um, playing against South Africa, one of the best attacks in the country, in the world, um, and and you want to you want to do well against the best team. So I'm sure he'll be fired up again. But again, he put in a lot of effort and a lot of energy into that Ashes series. Does does, does there have any type of emotional hangover? For, you know, um, it, it remains to be seen. But yeah, yeah as you said, it's going to be great cricket to watch. All right, Mike, on to the T20 international squad that will compete against New Zealand and England in a Gillette T20 international tri-series. The squad reads David Warner, Captain Aaron Finch, Vice-Captain Ashton Agar, Alex Carey, Ben Dwarshus, Travis Head, Chris Lynn, Glenn Maxwell, Kane Richardson, Darcy Short, Billy Stanlake, Marcus Doinis, Andrew Ty, and Adam Zampa. So David Warner is the captain. Steve Smith's going to have a rest from that from this series and from the first round of Sheffield Shield action, which means Warner's going to be the captain. He's going to miss out on that uh, tour match in Benoni and that Sheffield Shield round. Before we get into the T20 stuff, Mike, how much of an impact is it going to have on Dave Warner's preparation for the Test Series? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, I, I wonder if the selectors had a chat to David Warner and, and just asked him, you know, would you be keen to do it? Because... Um, you know, it is going to uh, upset the, the, his preparation, but uh, he, he knows his game so well. Um, and the players these days have to chop and change between the different formats. So I'm not expecting it to uh, expecting it to affect him too much, um, but it's probably not ideal. But what it does do, it gives him an opportunity as a as a captain, uh, as a, you know, to lead an Australian team, um, which has certainly been an ambition of his. He's, he's made no secret of that, uh, and and so yeah, it's a great opportunity for him to. You know, to yeah, lead the Australian T20 team, a format that I know he loves and and started really uh, for Australia in. So um, I'm sure he'll be really excited about it. And uh, yeah, there's some pretty good names in that team, some some exciting young talent, uh, and some probably established players as well. But probably most of all, it's, it's rewarded the guys that have done well in the Big Bash. Yeah, and if, if memory serves correctly, I think Warner got 300 and more than 500 runs the last time Australia to South Africa in a test series. So he knows the conditions pretty well. He's had success over there. Now, you're right, uh, Mike. There's plenty of big hitters, a lot of exciting players in this T20 squad. The likes of Warner, Finch. You've got Chris Lynn, Darcy Short, Glenn Maxwell, Stoinis. These, these guys can launch some serious bombs. There might be some big totals in this series. <laughs> it's a scary team, really, when you think about it. I wouldn't like to be a bowler bowling to these guys. Uh it's going to be interesting to see what the batting order looks like, really. Um, if you've got Warner and Finch, and you've got to think Darcy Short's got to slide in there somewhere as well. So I don't know how, that, how that's going to work. But, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Um, far out. They could be, yeah, 200-plus, I think, if they get going. Or if a couple of those batsmen get going, uh, they're going to be very, very hard to stop. So it uh, should be exciting cricket. 
Yeah, just on short, where do, where do you see him fitting in? Because he's just done so well for the Hobart Hurricanes opening the batting. Warner and Finch are Australia's fantastic limited overs opening partnership. Does he just go in at three or do they maybe think about shuffling that, that opening partnership? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do, actually. I, I think Darcy Short's showing um, throughout the big bash that uh, he's just been incredible at the top of the order. And I, I know it's not a big change, I guess, from going from an opener to number three, but... It, it is different. Um, you know, you're sitting there waiting. You, you might not come in until the, the fifth or sixth over. And he's shown that he's been so effective in that batting power play. Um, you know, broken the record for the uh, most number of runs in, in a uh, big bash. Oh, I know those other those other names are amazing players, but it's it's almost like he's, he needs he needs that opportunity, Darcy Short. And so perhaps perhaps I don't know. Maybe Warner or Finch might go down to number three. We saw um, Dave Warner in the World T20 bat at number four. Aaron Finch didn't even get a game uh, for those first two matches, and he was the world's number one T20 batsman as well. So there is a bit of a precedent there about shuffling guys around in that T20 side, and it's going to be exciting to see Chris Limbach. He's supposed to play for the Heat on the 27th. To see him back, uh, he's probably the most exciting player when when he's going in the world at the moment. Oh, yeah, he's, he's incredible. Uh, it's been it's been a shame, really, not to have him as part of the Big Bash or the One Day Team for Australia because uh, due, due to those injuries. Because um, yeah, in my mind, and you've spoken about some of those uh, hitters that we've just been speaking about, Short and Warner and Finch and Maxwell. I, I think Chris Lynn is is better than all those guys as in pure ball striking ability, uh, and that's a big call, I know. But he's got no fear as well. He literally comes out and starts swinging from ball one. <laughs> and he connects so consistently. And when he connects, they go out of the park. Um, yeah, he's an incredible talent. He really is. Uh, and seems to thrive on the the expectation um, of, of trying to hit the ball out of the park. And the crowd know about it when he, when he comes out to bat. You know, you can hear the crowd go up a notch too. So uh, I think he thrives on that as well. So let's hope he can get over these injuries. Um Get some good practice in and um, and find a bit of form because yeah, if he's going, it's um, he's unstoppable. And he's another guy that bats at the top of the order for the Heat. So does he come in at four, or do they to try and get him up there? I mean, you can only have two openers, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see um, what they do with the batting order because you've got to remember as well with Glenn Maxwell, he made a hundred against uh, Sri Lanka batting at the top that's of the right. order as well. So. They're all going to be um, wanting to bat right at the top. Um, they might have to flip a coin to see who's up there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But you'd expect Lynn to be in the top four at least. Ben Dwarshus, he's a bit of a surprise selection. He's taken uh, about a half a dozen wickets for the Sydney Sixers this summer. But he's also been extremely economical. A left armer. There's no Mitchell Stark in this squad. He's a left armer in it. What do you make of Dwarshus's well, that's hard to say. Dwarsh is a selection. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really good prospect. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, left armour is a is nice variety to have. Uh, bowls good pace. Uh, he's definitely up over the 140, so so that's a good sign. And, um, yeah, I've been watching him for the last few years and been really impressed. Just just has this knack of picking up wickets consistently, and I think that's really important as well in T20 cricket. Um, he seems like quite a calm guy, and I think you need that in T20 cricket as well. So... Yeah, I think um, I think it's a good selection, um, you know, and a good look to the future. I, I think as well. So yeah, good. Yeah, I like it. I like that selection. Dwarfs just yep six wickets in seven matches for the Sixers this summer with a, an economy rate of six point six four, and he's in a bowling attack which features Kane Richardson, Andrew Ty, and Big Billy Stanley. Yeah, it's 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 a good attack for sure, um, and, and I think they complement each other well. I've, I've loved watching Big Billy Stanley throughout the Big Bash. 
um, you know, so tall and so imposing, but bowling good pace, uh, and that that's I think that's really important um, for him to come in and just bowl quick. H- having that sort of a, a aggressive bowler is is um, a great weapon to have uh, in any T20 team. Then you've got the variety of uh, AJ Ty. Uh, we've all all seen what he's been able to do. Uh, getting three hat tricks in T20 cricket is is a pretty phenomenal effort. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know he's he's got to be picked in there. I think Kane Richardson's done done really well as well. So he's played a little bit for Australia in the past. Um, so he's obviously bit, been a bit in and out, but um, I'm sure he'll be looking to grab his chance and um, and hold on to it. Now, Mark, it's been a roller coaster twelve months for Glenn Maxwell. What do you want to see out of Glenn in this T20 tournament? Oh well, just the way he plays. You know, playing um, exciting exciting cricket. Um, I just want to see him enjoy his cricket really. There's been so much talk about him, and um, you know, he, should he be in this Test team, the One Day team? Should he be, you know, where should he be playing? Where should he be batting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So much commentary about it. I just want him to get out there, enjoy it, play his way. Um, if, if he's relaxed and just having fun and playing, I'm sure he'll play his best cricket. He's a great package. Obviously, we can see how, how dynamic he is with the bat, but he's also an absolute gun in the field. Can bowl some handy off spinners. So, um, yeah. Yeah, let's just just to see him take the pressure off him a little bit and just get out there and relax and enjoy it. That's what I want to see. Hey, Mike, there's plenty of strikers. There's Heat players. There's Renegades. We've got a couple of sixes in there. Hurricanes, you know, Scorchers. No Thunder players in this squad. What's going well, on where there? Where are you going with this, mate? Well, there you go. <laughs> What's going on? No Thunder players. Yeah, it's a bit rough, isn't it? Can't believe that. Um no, in all seriousness, um, I think um, a few of the guys are a bit unlucky. Uh, I think uh, Fawad Ahmed's been outstanding, absolutely outstanding uh, through those middle overs, um, picking up wickets regularly in the, in the tournament. And I think Chris Green's unlucky. Um, he's been really good for the Thunder for not just this season, but for a number of seasons uh, and could easily, I think, handle the, the, the jump in level. Um, but obviously, they haven't been able to find a spot for any of those guys, but um, I, you never know. It might just come in the future. But what that does mean, Mike, is they're all available for the last game and for the finals should the Thunder qualify. And Pat Cummins, is he a chance, if the Thunder do qualify, is he a chance to play with the Thunder in that semi-final? <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I'm not sure he'll be released by Cricket Australia uh, for us, but uh, we'll certainly be trying <laughs> everything we can to, to get hold of him. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, we've, we've, we're pretty much told at the start of the season that we wouldn't be seeing Pat um, due to his um, the amount of cricket he's going to be playing for Australia, and, and I'm sure they'll want to keep him in cotton wool and make sure he's ready to go for the uh, South African series. So I doubt it if we got to see him, but um, we'll certainly be asking the question if, if we can scrape through for sure. It's an exciting tournament. Three matches in Australia before it heads across the Tasman to New Zealand to finish off with the final at Eden Park. Mike, New Zealand and England are two very talented limited over sides. Australia finding its feet in the T20 format. Which way do you see this series going? Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough series. I must admit, it's a hard one to pick. That, that's for sure. The, the Kiwis, they, they are very, very good at this format of the game. Um, and I think England have shown throughout the one-day international series how good a short-form team they are as well. They've got some really dynamic players um, you know, in, in their one-day team. So oh, I think it's going to be a tough tough series to pick. I'm actually thinking, though, if if the Aussies get some momentum going um, and and get a bit of confidence, then they're going to be hard to stop, particularly with the bat. 
and, and you think of a place like Eden Park, <laughs> which Ooh. they're not the longest boundaries in the world. <laughs> no. um, it, it, they could they could score anything Australia if if they get going. Uh, and and it's normally a very good batting pitch as well. So if the Aussies can get going, I'd back the Aussies in. Back in the Aussies, in. that's unlike you, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's an exciting team. Um, and, yeah, as I said, that batting order, if they get going, they're going to be impossible to stop. So, uh, yeah, we, we might we might break the world record score of, in T20 cricket with that batting order. You've heard it here first. That's amazing. What a, what a prediction that is from Mike Hussey. <laughs> Mike, we're just going to finish up on the Gillette One Day International Series. Australia three 0 down. The series is gone. Uh, how far apart are these two teams in your mind? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, probably not not as far as what you think. Uh, and yeah, I think um, England have got a very good One Day team, and they've played some really good cricket. I think the way they've set up their team is really impressive. Um, you know, having some real dashes at the top, but then they've got Joe Root just to hold things together through the middle order, and then. You know, plenty of power to finish things off. I think having some all-rounders in there has, has sort of helped them as well, uh, and and, a, and, a, and some pace in their attack with with Mark Wood. Um, so they've got a nicely balanced team uh, at the moment, and 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 they're playing good cricket together. Uh, so I think um, I think they're yeah they're a very very good team. Uh, Australia aren't too far away though. I think Australia's got a very good team as well. We just unfortunately. For Australia, you, you need the likes of Warner and Smith to, to really, um, you know, score heavily. Uh, and unfortunately, they just they've, they've got in and got some starts, but haven't been able to go on with it. And, and that's quite often the, the difference between winning and losing. And uh, yeah, and I think that's probably pretty much it. I've been impressed with Stoinis and, and Mitch Marsh with the bat. They've they've played really well. I think the bowling attack's been been good. We've probably chopped and changed around a little bit, trying to give guys a, a rest, which probably hasn't really helped if we had our best attack on the park all the games then I'm sure you know that would have been um, you know pretty decisive in in the whole contest as well so um, yeah I, I wouldn't be panicking too much from an Australian perspective uh, we've, we've managed to get some games into um, you know the likes of Ty and Richardson as well which is, which is exciting for the future um, but yeah I think when it boils down to it it's just a case of Warner and Smith haven't as much as we would have hoped, uh, and and we're probably just chopped and changed with the bowling attack a little bit too much. Mike, England have made such a rapid improvement since the last World Cup in Australia in 2015. But do you reckon that the ODI game has changed significantly, or how much has it changed since that last World Cup? Not not a great deal. I think England realised at that last World Cup that their team, the, the style of players they were picking. Um, weren't suitable to the modern uh, ODI game. So, so they've changed their, uh, their, their game plan a lot, having more dynamic players at the top, more all-rounders, um, and, and even maybe some... I, I like that they've got an attacking spinner uh, through, through the middle as well. Someone looking... Yeah, those, those wickets through those middle overs are just so important as well, and, and Rashid's done a really good job for England there. Moeen Ali can help out as well. So they've got some good all-round players... Uh, so I, I think England have got it pretty much right. Australia, we were very similar um, at the at the 2015 World Cup when, when Australia won it. We probably didn't play a spinner that much, but with the field restrictions sort of relaxing a little bit since that tournament, that, that sort of brought the spinner back into the game again, in, in my view anyway. And So I, I just like Australia to keep looking to play an attacking spinner for, um, you know, for those middle overs. 
Well, speaking of attacking spinners, a lot of talk about Nathan Lyon, Mike. Uh, he's in career-best form. He's ripped it up in the Magellan Ashes. He's doing really well in the KFC BBL. Do you reckon he should be in that one-day team? Well, they could do a lot worse, uh, that's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he could he could easily slot in there. I know, I know he's keen to play one day in national cricket, uh, and, he, and he's done a pretty good job uh, whenever he has played in the past. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure he's disappointed. I, I know that the selectors have said to him in the past, we just wanted you to stick with your uh, the, the test match style of bowling. It, there is you know, some changes there. Generally, in the short-form game, you, you bowl a little bit flatter and a little bit faster. Um, yeah, you're not trying to beat the batsman in flight, and they don't want to take away from the you know the way he bowls so well in Test match cricket by him having to change. But I think he's experienced enough now to be able to handle the, you know the changes you know in the different formats of the game. He, he does it pretty well in Big Bash cricket, um, coming straight out of the Ashes series. So yeah, I, I think I think he, he he could count himself unlucky for sure. Um, but but having said that, I also like I love having a really good wrist spinner. Um, you know, through those middle overs, taking wickets, that they just sometimes they can go for a few runs, but they generally always pick up wickets. And, and getting wickets through those middle overs is just so important. Um, so I, I just like us to keep backing or keep looking for um, the best attacking wrist spinner that we've got. Mike, I see you once again. Thank you for your time. That's it for this week's episode. We're going to be back next week. But until then, head to cricket.com.au for the latest cricket news, scores, and videos.